Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Massive Attack podcast. 41? I know, it's getting up there, isn't it? I am Joe, and with me, as always, is Mitch. Me, yes. How are you tonight, Mitch? Good. A bit snuffly. Yeah, well, it's the middle of winter here in, in Melbourne. And we're in the my fortress of solitude yes. only in it's only similar to superman's the fact that it's fucking cold exactly yeah. the ice palace that is uh, <laughs> your little room here got quite a bit to talk about tonight yeah shall we jump into gaming sure yeah right. now you can enlighten me because it's 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 e3 it is and i saw a couple of things on facebook and that's it normally i'll like try and track down and see what i can now is it started so yes as the time we're recording this the microsoft presentation has been on Actually, all three, the big three, have been on Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Not a lot has really piqued my interest. We'll probably talk mainly about Microsoft because we are both Xbox fanboys. The big news from the the Microsoft camp, as far as hardware stuff goes, is they're going to be backwards compatibility on the Xbox One to 360 games. So far, I'm not entirely sure what that means. I yeah. don't think it's as much as... What little just, I've read is it's not just put a disc in yeah, and it'll play. It, I think they're actually reprogrammed programming the games and you can download them for free if you own it or but something how does it know you own it maybe you got to put a disc in or the maybe, show or yeah something. maybe you do have to put the disc in and then it downloads the code or something but yeah so yeah. it's not perfect but it's something yeah i, I still don't think that would make me but i think it's generation. if it was early if people were going all right i'm gonna buy this new thing but i've got this pile of 360 games all right i'll jump now and i can play them both yeah. the new games and that it wasn't, not a lot of new games came out at the time. Like, they bought it, and they have very scattered game releases yeah. for it. So that would have been the way to go. Now, it's two years? Yeah, it's it's almost two so years, exactly. People aren't looking back at the 360 going, yeah, there's enough th- Xbox One games out there to go, yeah, I don't need to go back. It's like when, the th- you know, they stopped doing that Xbox One compatibility, you know. Uh, sorry, the original, original Xbox, Xbox yeah. compatibility with the 360. No one really cared after a couple of years because they were going forward. And I think, yeah, so it might be a little too, bit too late. But for me personally, I've still got so many 360 games that it might be enough for me to jump in the Christmas sales. Yeah, I don't know. Because I've got a massive pile of digital pile of shame as well as my physical disc pile of shame. So... I don't know, I've probably got enough 360 games to keep me going for a good couple of years to come. Well, technically, yes, but I, I, I like Far Cry so much that I reckon the next Far Cry, maybe there's enough 360s out there that they might still do it backwards, but I'm noticing a lot of the games aren't, like all the new ones going forward, they're not yep. supporting that 360, it's only Xbox One, so yeah. if I want to play Mad Max, I think I've got to jump and... Well, one of the game announcements that Microsoft had that piqued my interest a little bit was Gears of War 4. Mm-hmm. And as far as I'm aware, that's only going to be on Xbox and One. And I think it's a year and a half away. Yeah, it's so 2016 it's by the time it comes out anyway. But yeah, the other thing from the Microsoft press conference that I was really impressed with just in the little video that I saw was the HoloLens. Yep. And as a Minecraft player, I sort of looked at it and went, whoa, that looks pretty cool. And I thought, don't show the kids this because my eight-year-old's actually just got back into minecraft which means i've started playing a little bit of minecraft again because i've been helping him and yeah so the idea of the the hololens means you can kind of project your minecraft game onto a table in front of you and it's like you're playing virtual minecraft with like 3d stuff it's i don't know i don't it's know more than it, just that yeah and it's not just minecraft i think <laughs> there will be other well you can you can project onto it like you can walk around the house and watch tally yeah. and it projects a screen in front of you and it will stay fixed position in front of you if you walk around or I think what you can do is pick a wall. So you're looking at a wall and say, project onto that wall. So it will pick the space on the wall. 
And then you can screen the size up to whatever size you want. Oh, that's right. And then if you move your head, it stays fixed. So it's like you're looking at a TV. So you don't have that. Oh, okay. So it doesn't yeah, capture okay. your eye movement. It actually stays fixed. So you can look around and you sort of have a bit of a break from it. And will it be like uh, the internet in the movies where you'll have boxes and you'll be able to like stick your hand out and move them? What's that minority, minority report that does Well, that's it? one of them, yeah. Yeah. Free Jack or any of those things. But yeah, I, who knows what it's going to do and be. But yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a game changer, I'm sure. But yeah, as far as Microsoft games that they announced, Gears of War 4 was the only one that really appealed to me. There was a few other little bits and pieces, but again, nothing that I was overly excited about. The Nintendo press conference, they announced a lot of stuff, but as far as I could see, it was all like reboots and sequels. And there was you know collections of this and Super Mario Maker, which kind of sounds exciting. You can make your own Mario levels. Well, there was one Xbox game or disc that they were launching that got me... Well, it didn't really get me excited, but it piqued my interest was the um, Rare Collection. Oh, yeah. Not Rare as in Rare games that you can hardly get, but Rare as in the company. Yeah, so it was um, Banjo-Kazooie and Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark, Project Gotham. They made a lot of games. So it's actually a disc, American price, $30 for 30 games. And it's like, that's that's not bad value. Mm, Yes, I mean, you're talking games from the Xbox original sort of quality, but still, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> but it sounds like value at least anyway. Yeah, well, the Sony press conference, again, I didn't pay a lot of attention to Sony because I'm not really a Sony fan, but something that did get mentioned at Sony that I was excited about was Street Fighter V. And at this stage, that's going to be a Sony exclusive. That's ridiculous. And they've only given a couple of characters out to start with, which was Cammy and Birdie, but no Ken or Guile or Ryu at this stage, but I'm sure they'll come. And it's just going to be like a timed sort of yep. how often and when they announce who's in the game but yeah it looked kind of cool from the footage but it didn't look that much different to street fighter 4 well i was excited because i saw a sneak peek of a can you say the word when it looks like a computer uh, like a cartoon what do you call it uh shell <laughs> i can't say <laughs> cell shaded <laughs> yes yeah cell shaded transformers game which you know looked like the original 80s cartoon and i saw pictures of it like, that looks great then i looked at the the trailer got released and it's like i'm not sure about the gameplay itself but it looks freaking awesome it looks like you know a 1980s transformers cartoon that's nice and then it's all the bit at the end it's like oh for playstation 3 and 4 bastards fuck you actually there was something else that got announced i can't even remember the name now but it's based on 1930s sort of disney style animation i think that was one of the nintendo ones oh okay i, I saw one still of it but yeah. i don't actually know and yeah again i saw a still and thought that looked a little bit good uh, the only other big announcement which actually came a little bit before e3 itself because they like to leak things now is if you're interested fallout 4 i've never played a fallout game but i hear they're actually really good people yeah lost their shit on the internet yeah so, fallout so for coming. people on my facebook group like love it just we're going crazy actually sony did win a lot of people over with final fantasy like a redo of seven or twelve or some popular yeah, I think seven one was the good one wasn't it yeah, it's actually, a, and Uncharted Four is coming as well for Sony. and some more Japanese RPGs that people love. People getting really excited for and crying on the internet, yeah. like on my Facebook page. Where, oh my god, this is coming, and it just means nothing to me. So I, I, apparently, that's good for people. Actually, and a Mirror's Edge prequel, by the sounds of it, as well. Not quite Mirror's Edge Two, but the uh, leading up to how mirror's edge came about okay I, I think they've left it a bit too long like mirror's edge was good but people have kind of forgotten about mirror's edge yeah but i don't know but yeah, yeah. 
not not a great deal coming out of E3 that would make me yes excited. Well, I mean, it's funny they are really pushing the games this year by the sound of it. Like I haven't heard any sort of game chat besides the Hololens. Yeah, uh, no one's really. Normally, it was all about other things your things could do, but well, now yeah. they're not pushing that anymore. It's just purely this is the games that are coming out next year. There is a little bit of speculation that there was going to be an Xbox One Slim, but I don't think that's been announced. As I said, I've only read the reports. I haven't actually watched the whole thing. That would have been... I would have seen it. But yeah, it yeah. would be all over the place if it was. So, yeah, forget about that. All well, right, well, that's that's gaming news. Yeah, so we, I don't know. I just didn't chase it up this year like normal. It sort of no. sort of crept up on me, but I didn't... Well, I, I still listened to a few other gaming podcasts, so I knew it was coming. But again, it was not something that... You know, I didn't get up in the middle of the night to watch the, the press conference live or anything like that. Mm. The, actually, on the 360, last year, I remember they had like one of those banner ads saying, watch the, the press conference or whatever they call it the, yeah. Um, yeah they watch it here live through the event player and stuff but I don't think there's even one there for, for this year yeah who knows mm, so maybe there maybe there was on Xbox One maybe just us 360 no, I think people. there was something there but I still thought it was ages away so I didn't pay oh. any attention okay alright well that's well, as I said that's gaming, gaming anyway. news have you Game been playing? gaming I haven't been playing a lot of 360 I've been trying to go through some of the freebies that I've been getting over the last few months through the Games for Gold titles so I've been playing a little bit of Army of Two The Devil's Cartel mm-hmm. and it's alright I, I hadn't played any of the other Army of Two's I watched you play one level on the very first Army of Two pretty much that's as far as I got on it too it, yeah it's alright it just makes me want to play Gears again it, it's Unreal Engine third person shooter you're, you're a, a team of two so you've always got a buddy there that can revive you if you get shot sort of thing it's an interesting enough story it's you just running through Mexico shooting a bunch of Mexican cartel gangsters nice weaponry it took me probably 10 missions before I realised I could actually not just upgrade my type of gun but I could make adjustments to the gun I actually had so I could put a better scope on my M16 and you know I could change my shotgun so it had a bit better power and stuff and then now that I've done that it's kind of like okay what's the point of actually buying a a higher weapon if I can just upgrade the the one I've got. But yeah, and it's fun enough. Again, it was free, so I'm getting my money's worth. Yep. But yeah, I don't know. I'll probably finish it because I think I'm about halfway through. But yeah, it's not making me want to sit down for hours and play like a bunch of it. It's nicely packaged sort of chapters that take 15, 20 minutes. That's all right. So yeah, you can play a chapter and then go and do something else, and yeah, or you can sit there and play it continuously. I, other than that, I've been playing a little bit of iOS gaming. I got sucked into playing WWE Supercard. No, no. I, I deleted Supercard off my phone. I haven't deleted How it. How did the it feel? It felt pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that being said, though, I am playing Candy Crush more that, now that I don't have <laughs> Supercard on my phone. But that's a different story. But no, my wife's been playing Clash of Clans for a little while. That's the big advertising campaign with giants and skeletons with bombs. Yeah. That's that one, yeah. And it's not bad. And she was all like, oh, you know, you should play and then we can join this clan and you can send me stuff and I can send you stuff and... So she doesn't want you to play. She just wants you to send her stuff. Well, no, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's strange in a way because i am got a, a bit of a background playing RPG games and real-time strategy games, more to the point. And... I'm used to being able to put my players on the field and control where they want to go, whereas Clash of Clans is very simplified, so you have different types of of characters. So you've got uh, barbarians who will just go and attack anything. You've got giants that always go for defensive stuff, so they'll try and take out walls and cannons and, and things like that. But once they're on the field, you have no control of them. So they can be standing around attacking one thing and getting shot by a cannon behind them, but they, they're not smart enough to turn around and attack what's attacking them, and you can't make them attack what's attacking them, which I find a little bit annoying. But it's 
fun enough. It's something I can just sit there and click a couple of battles and then leave it till the next night and come back and see what's happened. I know a lot of people have been spending like real money on Clash of Clans. I, I read some article that some guy in America spent like $80,000 upgrading his, his city and his army and I thought, well, what's the point? It's a free game. You just spend a bit of time to upgrade you do what i do you upgrade a building overnight and then in the morning it's ready for it i don't know some Dicks. people are crazy with their freebie games how much money they actually spend on them mm. but yeah that that's my game i as i said not much what about you Mitch? are you going to get into um that kate upton game no no again, advertising a, for that is huge well again it's the same sort of thing that's a little bit more realistic than clash of clans that's game of war the one that kate upton's in yeah but i think that's more of a, a real type graphics it's, it's whereas clash everywhere. of clans is very cartoony with the graphics that's like literally every game like what i play on there i play a trivia game and I play words with friends and all that and they all yeah. the advertising I get is that yeah. on Facebook the advertising is that yeah. it's on news it's the cinemas yeah, like exactly. that game is being pushed like ridiculously so on Twitter every time you go on Twitter it's like promoted Twitter uh, yeah, so the, yeah. I don't know what the budget for the game is but I don't know what the advertising budget is because it's massive so what? they probably want those $80,000 guys exactly. playing this game probably they do maybe there's a game of war whale out there that's like funding their whole advertising campaign maybe but yeah, well, that, that's me. Well, I've been gaming. I play. I thought I wanted something quick, and I want something I could finish after Far Cry. So I, I popped in Lollipop Chainsaw, which was mm. the Suda Fifty One game with James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, um, he sort of did the Americanized version for it, or wrote the story and worked in conjunction with. And it's about a cheerleader zombie hunter who fights a zombie attack, and her so boyfriend she's a gets cheerleader. a cheerleader. She doesn't fight cheerleader zombies. There are cheerleader zombies, but oh, yes, really? she is okay. a cheerleader leader who is a zombie fighter she comes from a zombie fighting family and her boyfriend gets attacked so to save him because he gets bitten she chops off his head and carries him around on her belt okay now i've played some sort of 51 games i played shadows of the damned a couple of years back which was i think a better game and that was pretty crazy with shadow of the damned you had a gun that was kind of a, a skull and uh, a, yeah. the boner yes. and it was just a lot of dick jerks well this is a lot of upskirts like she's doing a lot of gratuitous like bending over and spread legs and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I've like, I've seen a lot of lollipop chainsaw cosplay. Yeah, and I think it's geared towards that. Girls like dressing up in the uh, short skirt, and guys like watching people dress mm. up in the short skirts. And I mean, it was a fun enough game, but I'm glad it was quick. And I played it on like baby mode, and it was still hard in bits okay. and bad save points when you sort of get halfway through a level and die and you've got to go through all that shit again to get to this point and I, I sent him a message saying I finished it but I nearly rage quit one turn before I actually got it done because it's just like just the time it takes it's not fun anymore why am I doing this yeah. and just that game design where you you're stuck with a fixed camera you've got a giant monster and it's sort of banging down and you've got to avoid being hit it hits three times the arm gets stuck down for a while so you've got to run in and attack its arm to get its health down to a certain level before you can do this and it's just like no games are better than this yeah, and exactly. I think I think Far Cry broke me it's just got to a point where it's like no games are better than this yeah. and I just wanted to play Far Cry like I wanted to play whenever I had a chance and I didn't want it to end and now and I thought no no I, I used to like story based third person action adventure games and I'm playing this one going maybe I don't maybe I don't like the linear storylines anymore maybe I like to sort of dictate my own terms and go off so maybe maybe I need to play a Skyrim or a um, a Dragon Age or something like that but I mean I love Mass Effects and that's a bit more 
a storyline driven, but you can take your time. You can go different directions. I think you probably like um, Dragon Age then, because isn't that by, by the same people that mm. Mass Effect? The yeah, so I, don't, I mean, Fable I haven't played, so I don't know if that's sort of similar, but maybe I, I, maybe I need to change. Mm. I'm tempted to play Gears of War 1 again. I don't know, I've just well, had that feeling. We did start it. I'm tempted to go back days. again. I, 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 to see, maybe, I think it's just the mechanics have to be right. Yeah, I think this we game was just a bit this, shit. We were talking about this off-air about Gears, mm. and how Gears of 1 just had everything except, like, the gameplay was, was good for for the time. The storyline was perfect. The yeah. level design was just awesome. It was faultless and then, at the yeah, time. Gears of War 2 came along and just tweaked the gameplay enough and made the graphics a bit better, but they just kind of dropped the ball a little bit on the story. But they added Horde mode, which everyone yeah. loved. And before Gears came along, like Gears 2, I don't think I'd played hardly any online with like people mm. I hadn't met before. And then when Gears 2 came along, I was you know, spending all hours of the night online with people from Costa Rica. and you know, Yeah, you just want to show people your dick on your little webcam. I didn't have a webcam at that stage, so... So you just play with the dick out for no reason. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping we... someone would walk in the room. <laughs> we can see you nuts, Joe. Don't get started on that. All right. So, yes, yeah, so other than Lollipop Chainsaw Mitch, have you been playing anything else? Uh, I did. I was all excited because the Young Justice game popped up on sale. And I've been wanting this game for ages, trying to look around for an ex-rental or an ex-pre-owned you know pre-owned game. Couldn't find it anywhere. Found it online for ridiculous prices and it turned up on sale sale online digital copy to buy through the, the marketplace it's fantastic yeah i wasted that money how much was it oh 20 bucks so that's still quite a lot for a digital game. compared to what we pay for cheap well, yeah exactly it was just not good like it was a beat-em-up game like you know marvel ultimate alliance yep. or something but a more cartoony graphics than that but i was playing it on baby mode as well because i just didn't care and it was just awkward it just wasn't you know a licensed game they're not always the best designed and it was just shit mm. and it got to a point where i was like i'm not enjoying this i'm not you know i go a week without touching the, the xbox because i wasn't playing it's like well that shows that i'm not enjoying the game yeah exactly. i might as well just move on so so, so I, I, I gave up on that and I finished Lollipop Chainsaw so I was like what do I play next and I was sort of doing something I've never really done before and I'm doing an RPG RPG really? would you call it an RPG I think it's an RPG yeah the South Park Stick of Truth game mm-hmm. yeah which is yeah a role playing game in the South Park universe I mean it looks like you're playing the cartoon like the graphics sort yeah. of lend itself quite easily to it so I'm literally an hour in so oh, okay. I have nothing to really say so we'll say. probably have a bit more to talk about next month about yeah that. if I stick with it but I mean so far it's fine it's funny like mm. you're finding things it's wrong and rude just like South Park yeah pretty much but well that's good that's pretty much it Alrighty, well, let's make that segue about South Park and jump into TV. Okay. Not that we've been watching South Park, but there's been a few big things happening in TV lately. Yeah. One of which being the finale of this season of Game of Thrones. Yes. We won't go overly spoilery, because we're only a week away from it airing on TV when this podcast drops, so... Some people may not have seen it, but there was probably a few big things happen in the last couple of episodes that made the whole series. Oh, you, you've been poo-pooing this whole season I had. all the way. I, I got to a point where I was like, well, should I just give up on Game of Thrones? And I think probably episode seven or eight of this series kind of turned me back around. So yeah, I'm glad I stuck with it. And in a way, I'm glad I wasn't watching it weekly. I was kind of letting a couple of episodes build up and then watching three or four in a chunk. But then I, I did decide that I had to watch this latest episode pretty close to its airing time. Oh, we did that. I mean, we're the same. Just because so many other shows finished up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Flash and Arrow and everything. Yeah. The Game of Thrones got pushed to the side because, like you said, it wasn't as engrossing as it had been. 
So it was something we could easily build up. So we ended up having four or five episodes yeah. built. So when everything finished, we watched that, which was good because it was a good way to see it. And then it, we got caught up to date with three episodes to go. And those three episodes were caucus. So for yeah. us, it worked out really well. I and yeah, Monday, so we could see it Monday afternoon. Getting home from work, we could get access to the yeah. thing. So basically, I had to stay off any social media for that whole day. And I think that actually my Facebook was pretty good for spoilers no one really ruined anything yeah i had a couple on my facebook that were kind of cryptic lines mm. from the show without actually saying that they were lines from the show and looking back at them now i'm like oh that's what that was from but yeah I, i'm glad i watched it on on the day rather than waiting for a couple of days because i think i would have had spoilers because mm. there was quite some big revelations in this episode but yeah i liked it and it's funny because I, I said earlier that i'd been watching it with my wife and she's read all the books and i haven't and she got to a point early on in the season where she was just like well yeah they've they've strayed too far from the book i'm not going to watch it anymore and then when i started watching the finale she was in the room with me and she started watching it and then about halfway through i realized she hadn't left the room she was still hooked to it but every now and then she'd be like well that didn't happen in the book and you know that that's not who it should be in the book and no, well it's different yeah you know, the Star Wars didn't happen the way he wrote the original script, and that's fucking good. You know, <laughs> like things change. That's exactly. fine. We can live with that. Yeah. It's its own thing. The books are one thing. The TV shows are another. Exactly. So I'm ta- I'm not. I'm never going to read the books. So I'll take this on board and as to what it is. I've read a couple of issues of the comic. Really? Yeah. It's is it bad. based on? It's based on the books. Okay. Well, it's actually, not side stories, or is it? No. The- uh, actually, I think it's more based on the TV show than the, uh, the oh, books. Okay. But, well, the, at least the episodes or the the editions of the comic I read were. Yeah, that, I've watched that. Other big TV happening? We had Eurovision earlier in the month. You had Eurovision. Well, yeah. It was a bit of a, a letdown, although it was good to have Australia being in Eurovision. So Because sure. we are part of Europe. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure how much Australia paid to get Guy Sebastian to uh, represent Australia in Eurovision, but he came fifth, so it was not a bad turnout for first time in Eurovision. And only, baby. Well, who knows? Everyone was saying he was a bit of a watered-down Bruno Mars, but, <laughs> yeah, compared to some of the other... They've been around they, longer than Bruno, really. Probably, I don't know. But, yeah, compared to some of the other shit that they pumped out in Eurovision this year, I think that was pretty good. I, I'm getting to the point, though, where I really don't like SBS's coverage of Eurovision. When I first started well, watching... You, you like your Welsh coverage. Well, you grew exactly. up with the Welsh coverage. When I first started watching Eurovision on SBS, they used to just show the BBC coverage, so they had mm. Terry Wogan doing the you know, witty comments and stuff. Mm-hmm. But now Eurovision... Snarky. Well, same thing. <laughs> now that Eurovision's got so big here in Australia, they actually have... No, they just get the feed and then they do their own commentary over the top with... Well, just a feed. They go over there. Well, they do, yes. With what is it, Sam Pang and Julia Zamira. Yes. And, yeah, I just find them a little bit disrespectful. They they try and be they funny. They disrespect the, the beauty that is Eurovision. Well, not just that, but they, <laughs> there was... On the finals... There no was, one takes Eurovision seriously. No. Not even the members. No, no, they don't. <laughs> but there was a musical number that was at the start of the finale and they were just talking over the top of it and i was like well the whole idea of eurovision is to watch the musical numbers and listen to them not listen to some idiot commentate but anyway, now i don't know what it's like but i from what i can gather from english people i know and all the australian people who watch it they have parties yes where you come in very techy outfits you get drunk and you bag the shit out of it. That's what you do. Yeah, and that's so what they're, they're doing. doing, doing. Television, so, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's the fact that they were bagging it out rather than letting us do our own bagging. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, anyway. Other than that, I've started watching a new show that's on Foxtel called Wayward Pines. Is it the Matt Dillon? Yeah, it's sort Matt of Twin Dillon, Peaks-ish sort of thing. Very similar to Twin Peaks, only not quite as well executed. Okay, because I, I saw the tra- trailer preview. 
And it's like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll check it out and haven't. Yeah, before it started, they were shilling it quite a lot on Foxtel. I know we were watching Raw one night and it was on almost every ad break. They were like, Wayward Pines is coming. Raw the wrestling show, not the Lion movie. No. Although we, we did try and watch that as well. Try, that's a different story. And yeah, I think I'm four or five episodes in. And? And it's not bad. There's bits of it that I find really good. The the whole twin peakiness of it. But there's other bits that I just think feel they drag out a little bit too much. Okay. Matt Dillon's quite a good actor. Hmm. The other cast in it, Juliette Lewis is good. I hate Juliette Lewis. Uh, what's her name? Carla... I can't think of how to pronounce her last name. Yeah, that's the Oh, one. she in it. Yeah, she's, it. she's like his ex-CIA, FBI, Secret Service. Can you understand me? I feel so nasally right now. You are a little bit nasally, oh, but anyway. I apologize, listeners, listener, <laughs> ClickBot, whoever you are. Yeah, so I've been watching a bit of that. That's kind of cool. And the only other thing I've been watching is the finale of this season of Amazing Race. Wrapped okay, up. surprise, you're watching The Amazing Race. Yeah. How many seasons are we up to? 26. Fuck. And as I mentioned earlier in a couple of months ago when we first started this season, it was, I think, six pre-existing couples and six couples that they just threw together as blind dates on the uh, on the race. And the blind date couples actually did a lot better than the existing couples. In, well, they've got no in, baggage. Yeah. And it was funny because all of them at the Anyone end, they like, up? I don't think so. Oh, there was one couple that kind of looked like they might see each other again, but the rest of them were all like, yeah, it was fun to run the race with them and I'm not a great friend, but I'm not going to have a relationship with them. But no, I don't know. It, it was just something different because they do need something to give it that little bit of That's an edge. 26 seasons, yes. It's funny because there was one season early on where I think it must have been just after 9-11 where security and travelling was a bit you know, a bit tighter and they did a families one and it was pretty much all on continental US. They only ever went to Mexico <laughs> and Canada and there was the uh, token African-American family whose last name was Black and every time they went, it's the Black family. Yeah. I, I just had a little chuckle on myself. Did they go to yeah. Wales? No. Mm. I don't think they've ever been to Wales on the Amazon what? What? I think there's a Racist. bit of a conspiracy against the Welsh. Because they can't pronounce the towns. Yeah, exactly. It's disgusting. It's, it's a place of myth and legend. It so is. Anyway, <laughs> that's my TV watching. And yourself, Mitch? There's a, a... Well, I'm not I'm sure. Last episode, did we talk about... I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Flash, Arrow, Gotham, they all finished. The standards. Yeah, and they were all good. Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., seen every two seasons now, and they lull in the middle, and they ramp up at the end. Just be a short season. Just get rid of that middle. It's just sort of like... This is a problem with American TV and being 22 episodes. Have to be 22 episodes. That It's filler. Yeah. Like, you watch so many shows like Game of Thrones, 10 episodes. Breaking Bad, 12 or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, if that's what it takes to tell the story, that's what it takes. It just fills it up too much. Agent Carter was great because it was only 12 episodes long. That's what it took. Yeah. Or eight episodes even. It was like, maybe just do half and half or something. Hmm. But anyway. So they everything finished really well. Flash finished awesomely. Arrow was good. Gotham, I'm sticking with it. But if it wasn't a Batman show, I probably would stop, to be honest. Is it a Batman show, though? Yeah. It's got Bruce Wayne in it. Okay. And it's got the Penguin. It's got the Riddler. I thought it was a Commissioner Gordon show. Well... Either way. I'm still... Batman characters. Yes. So, they all were fine, but we also got to fit in the same genre of that. They leaked a new... There's a Supergirl show coming. Yes. Well, we we talked last month how we saw the Supergirl... Supergirl? Supergirl. (laughs) We saw the Supergirl... Six-minute trailer. Six trailer with her in her hot pants. Yeah, and I saw that trailer thinking, that's the whole episode. I don't need to see the whole episode anymore. Pretty much that six minutes is almost the opening ten minutes of the show. Hmm. It's the opening is most of the first 15 minutes. So they really get into it really quickly. And it's actually pretty good. So Marley from Glee makes a good Supergirl? 
She's fine. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some bits that it'll figure itself out, and I'm hoping by the end of the season it's all sorted and settled. But um, I'll, I'll, I watch with my wife. She's keen to watch it. I'm happy to watch it. And it's, it's not just going to be a relationship show. It's not going to be a her getting coffee and secretly I'm Supergirl kind of thing. There are bigger stories to tell, and there's a reason to tell it. So yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I'm oh, hoping good. it's going to be good. So there's there's that. But I've still got to wait now another four months or whatever until so it starts proper. It did it leak or did it intentionally leak you think well it leaked but the quality of it is so good it's got no watermarks on it so i think the six minute trailer is a big thing to lead with like it's a big push on people and a lot of people reacted badly to it a lot of people liked it but a lot of people reacted badly going oh it's her getting coffee and blah 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 yeah so I think they knew they were on a good show. So why not get it out there and let people see and get the buzz up? Yeah. So rather than getting a bit of a bad taste in your mouth from the trailer, they sort of went, "Here's the real episode." Yeah, and, and it's worth it. It's, it's a lot better than it is. So I mean, I was actually sold on the trailer, but a few people weren't. You were sold in the bit where she tried on the hot pants. Though. They were bloody good hot pants. So um, yeah, it was. I'll um bring it on. Bring All it right. On. And we, another show that we seem like just somehow sort of pushed to the side. Normally it was my first thing to watch, but amongst everything else, it sort of became my sort of like, I got pushed into the queue and that was Community, which we watched the last six episodes in the last two weeks. Okay. And man, is it meta. Like it's always been meta, but the last, now we've talked about Community before, we talked about Dan Harmon. Now, never more so have I heard Dan Harmon's voice in the show. Like, Jeff Winger is sort of the proto-Dan Harmon in the show. And you're just hearing rants in the show, and it's like, that's just Dan having a rant. (laughs) Talking about something. It's nothing to do with the show. That's just Dan. And I loved it for what it was. But, you know, I don't know how other people would take it, not knowing Dan so much. It's like, where is this coming from? It's just this very ranty show now. But it's still still clever and still cleverly written, but it's just got his his voice on it so much more than normal. And it ended with a pretty amazing last episode. Like, nothing groundbreaking, but if you're stuck with the show long enough and being a Harmontown fan as well, you just sort of, like, it all just came together really nicely. So is this the final? Or well, is there going to be another season? There could be. But they address that. Because, I mean, they address the whole thing being a TV show because Arbid, who's the autistic character in there who sees everything as a TV show, he kept talking about the years together as seasons. It's like, it's not seasons. We've been together for years. And all this. And they're going... And it came in the last episode where they're all graduating and going off to do different things. And Jeff's having a crisis that everyone's moving on and he's still there because he's a teacher at the school now. So it's like, I'm old. I'm not going anywhere. Everyone's moving on. Ah, oh, and they sort of have a drink together and then Arbid's sort of talking about it being the arts oh, season finale kind of thing and this and that being very meta and they're going well why does it have to end now there's only six seasons that's it and they're going oh, what if we had a seventh it's like oh it doesn't work after seven like because then it just ruins <laughs> and he like compared other tv shows that just went shit after seven seasons and this and that and they're going well how would you pitch your seventh season then so everyone had a vision of what the show would become next season and everyone did well jeff's vision was like four hot chicks <laughs> like joined <laughs> the school and all that and he goes yeah this is pretty good but um just looking at the show and how going forward so they actually addressed could you should we maybe we shouldn't no, that's good. kind of thing so it's just clever but From, it's not something you could jump I can't show you anyone that episode and saying oh this is a really good joke check it out You've got it, to it's watch weird it though because yeah I kind of watched a few episodes of the very first season of Community but then it didn't hook me but I really love the Harmontown podcast but it hasn't made me go back to Community I like to think of Dan Harmon as just being the man on the podcast <laughs> rather than being the Community creator and I think there's probably people out there that like Community that would never listen to the podcast 
and yeah and then there's the obviously rabid fans that just live and breathe anything Dan Harmon but yeah I, I don't know the production of it looked really good considering he's gone from being on a network to being on Yahoo like, it, it, yeah it looked no different like they're using the same sets from what I can gather or they rebuilt them yeah and like we watched the, special effects the start of that first episode with all the frisbees on mm. the roof and just the, the effects in it were really well done but yeah there was no cheapness at all to it it yeah. didn't look cheap but there was a great bit where Arbid, who has a catchphrase of going, cool, cool, cool. He actually went, cool, 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 cool. And he goes, what's that? Oh, that was one cool for each each season. And then Chang goes, oh, do it again. And he goes, cool, 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 cool. And then Chang on the fourth call goes, <laughs> and he goes, I farted on the fourth cool. That's an inside joke. And it was just a reference to the fact that Dad was gone for season four. <laughs> and it was like a shit of a season. But it's just like, oh, man. So he, he can't let things go, Dan. He, he's going to die early. <laughs> but it, Definitely rewarding for me. Like, it was one of the greatest shows I've ever watched. That's good. And if it ends there, it's great. If they go and do something else with it, cool. But it's a good place to end, should it happen. End on a high. Mm. Should we jump into movies? Yes, let's go bigger. Now, you've actually seen a couple of big blockbuster movies again this month. I have. So we may as well go into those straight away. One of them probably everyone else has talked about last month. We're a little bit behind the times, but that's Mad Max Fury Road. Mm -hmm. Greatest movie I've seen this year. Check it out. It's amazing. That's all we need. Okay. Read everything that you've read. (laughs) Like Everyone's posting about it. Well, Mad Max 1 is one of my favourite films, which I think I talked about last month. Yes, we did. So I went in with high hopes anyway, because the trailer looked amazing. I was like, this is, I want to like this. And then the buzz was so huge on it, like first day or two. Yep. The buzz was amazing. And then all the negative buzz came out from the butt-hurt fedora-wearing cockdogs who think that Max was, you know, emasculated for some reason. I sort of like, I don't know what opinion, why it happened, but it became this feminist movie. I was like, what the fuck? It's a car movie. I don't know. And then it's, the buzz was just so huge. So I had to go like the Friday after it released. Yeah, like, which so. was just after it recorded last month. Yeah, so, so I was like, oh. yeah. so I went and saw it and I wouldn't have seen any of those things that people had problems with if I'd seen it. I just yeah. saw a very cool movie. And if you want to look at it in the basic of terms, it's two car chases. Pretty much. That is it. It's it, But if you want to look deeper, and many people have, and there's plenty of articles and essays out there that have dissected this movie to so many levels, it's genius. It's fantastic. I, I love the fact that people are getting all this butthurt about it. There's all these people saying, oh, you've ruined an American classic of Mad Max. <laughs> Don't they realise it's an Aussie movie? It's, no. It's just crazy. Dicks. Yeah. But, I mean, Max, have you watched Mad Max 2? Because uh, the story is, it's it's this, they reckon, oh, it's what's-the-name's role. You know, it's, it's more Charlize Theron's character's movie than it is Max. He's hardly in and he doesn't do much. It's like, watch Man Max 2 again. He's a reluctant person who arrives in a situation that plays out. He He's involved in it and he's a big major part in it in the end, but it's sort of like, it could all sort of happen without him in a way. Where this movie, is a, a lot more could play it than just like, eh, it could happen without Max. <laughs> but it's... It's just so good, but so well made is what I love as well. And something that was interesting... I mean, it's a 71-year-old director, you know? Yeah. And it's a very real-looking film. Like, you don't see the special effects terribly much. Like, no. I saw the Avengers just before this, and looking at that... Looking at that, Avengers is like having a Pizza Hut pizza, and having Mad Max is like having a, you know, a, you know high-end Probably restaurant steak. Pizza. No, it's yeah. just... It's a different thing. It just really is. And I saw a thing about the cinematographer, and he had crosshairs on the scene, like on the screen like his camera had crosshairs and everything that was important in that scene was in the middle like the person talking is in the middle of the screen the, the bit of action like that person is the main focus that's a dead center so the eyes are not moving at any 
point. So the problem with a lot of modern films is everything's all over the place on the screen because they can. Yeah. Now he's like, no, 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 that's the important bit. So you're never moving your head. You're never questioning what you're meant to look at. It's always there. And didn't notice it when I was there, but it makes sense. It's just, it's, and it's, and as far as Mad Max movies are famous for their stunts, there and there again. And someone said, oh, have you used a lot of CG in this? And he goes, well, no, but I have used some. Then he goes, with computer graphics and that, you don't need to do as many stunts now. And he goes, well, no, I can. I can do more stunts because yeah. of CG. And it's like, what do you mean? And they go, well, I can do more and safer. So there's things I couldn't do before, but now I can with really safe rigs, you know, harnesses and things like that. And with computer graphics, I can get rid of the harnesses. And therefore, it's a real person jumping from a truck doing 50 onto a car doing 50, but you don't see the harness yeah. and it looks better than not doing it at all kind of thing. So it's, yeah, I loved it. All right. And the other big blockbuster that you've just seen this week, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. Jurassic World. Yes. Now, you've seen Jurassic Park? Yes. You've seen Jurassic World. All right. Yeah. But Chris Pratt's really good. <laughs> like, it's not a bad film. Like, it, it's out of all the Jurassic Park movies, this is the second best one. I know you're a big fan of three. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I don't have the love of Jurassic Park that you do. I don't love it that much. Uh, I thought you did. I thought you had a bit of a soft spot for Jurassic Park. Oh, well, it was a groundbreaking film of its time. Mm. In 1993, we'd never seen anything like it. I went and watched it again at the Astro last year, and I said it wasn't as fun as experience as I remember. See, I've only seen Jurassic Park 1 on TV. That's the way to see it. Probably. And <laughs> on I've, a cathode ray TV, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah probably. Beautiful. First time it was on network TV <laughs> with ads and, you know, all that. Sunday night. Exactly movie. how Stephen wanted you to. But I saw Jurassic Park 3 at the cinema, and I kind of wish I hadn't. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I, I saw the trailer for this earlier in the year, and it wasn't something that made me jump up and go, you know, trip to the cinema straight away, I'm going to see this. But... Yeah, I don't know. I probably will see it eventually, but I don't think I'll be rushing out to see it on the big screen. If you haven't seen Jurassic Park 1 properly, maybe this is the one you should see. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, it's a fun movie, and if I was a 12-year-old kid, I would fucking love the pants off of it. But I'm not a 12-year-old kid. Did you notice, notice the excessive product placement? Yeah. Oh ridiculous although i think that's a bit of a trope with any movie any movie nowadays it's yeah. ridiculous any film clip like exactly. music clip, music video it's yeah it's everywhere now all right i saw another blockbuster did you At i saw cinema? tomorrowland i totally forgot about that yeah so did i <laughs> <laughs> no it's it is the most live action pixar film you're ever gonna see like it's directed by lassiter who directed um incredibles and oh no brad bird sorry cars no, Lasseter did cast. Sorry, it's yep. directed by Brad Bird, who did Iron Giant and Incredibles yep. and Ratatouille. And the first 25 minutes was so a Pixar film. Like, you could have done it as a Pixar movie. It just, everything felt and everything about it was like, yeah, you could have done this as an animated film, but with live action people. I was like, okay. And you could have done without that 20 minutes at the end. It's, what is it with films being too fucking long? They've just got to get their money's worth. But no, yeah. you come away tired and bored. Where if you come away going, I wish that was longer, I'm going to go back and see it again, mm. it's a different feeling. Yeah. But, and they're not cheap. This is where if it was a Pixar film, it would have been a lot more efficient because they can't make a two and a half hour animated film because it would cost too much. Yeah. So it would have been a tight 90 to 100 minute movie and it would have been perfect. But again, as a 12 year old kid seeing Tomorrowland, I reckon if it was 20 minutes shorter, it could have been like a Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for them, for me. Like the, it's the just, original with uh, yeah, Jim Wilder, not yeah. the... Yes. Johnny Depp version? So, yeah, because for me, Willy Wonka... Sorry, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. It's, it's, I love that movie. 
and it, had, it resonated with me at the time because I saw it when I was a kid and it was this movie for kids about this thing and it was about this potential and fantasy and everything so what age group is it aimed do you oh, think it's, it's aimed at that 12 year old kid think so yeah see that that strikes me as a bit weird that it is such a long movie because kids don't have that that attention span so. yeah so uh, i don't i just don't know but there's some really nice set pieces and there's some really nice design in it and everything and the message is really good i just think it's in a package that's too big okay like if you shoot into a nice tight 100 minute movie bang in and out and you go this is awesome but just a little bit too long because i watched like lone ranger recently it's like just long yeah. disney had failed like the and john carter Yep. They're the last three Disney live-action films of those three. Okay. And they've all bombed. If they didn't have Star Wars and Marvel Pixar, they'd be um, screwed. All right. Anything else, Mitch? At the cinema? No. That's all right, then. But I have been watching things on the television. Well, yeah, on my television. <laughs> all right. Well, there is some other stuff that we will talk about. We will get to further movies, but you have watched a couple of older movies. Yeah. Yes, I watched Speed Racer. So you're the one. I own it on DVD. I'm tempted to buy it on Blu-ray. I, I can't talk because I've never actually seen it. I just... You're diabetic. I don't know if you could make it. <laughs> it it's so colourful and so full on. <laughs> it's What I'll give it is they tried something new. That's what I'll give it. The Wachowskis made it who made, you know, The Matrix. And it's like, okay, they made a, a speed racer film. It's like, yeah, bring it on. And they made a crazy out there movie, like with these cars doing these crazy races and everything. The problem being, and this is like after watching Fury Road, it's like just stop the camera, just slow down, just let it play out. Where it's just moving around, it's too kinetic. But the whole thing is something they've tried to make a adaption of a Japanese cartoon, and they sort of did that. And it's colourful and crazy and kinetic. It just didn't quite work. I mean, Susan Sarandon and John Goodman are in this. You know, that's got a good cut. You know, they got people in, and it's not cheap, and it looks great. The cars look fantastic, but it just didn't quite. I mean, I, I enjoyed it for what it was, and the fact that I put it on, it was like, yeah, it's good. But it's just again, just a little bit too long, and just, just hold the camera still. Just, just okay. Yeah. But apart from that, I, I, I can't. Uh, yes, I can fault it. There are faults, but it, it's not a bad film. It's just not for everyone. All right. Yes, and I watched some other movies. I watched Brain Donors, which is one of my go-to films. I was just putting it on in the background while I was looking after Jay one day. So I was like, oh yeah, what can I put on that I know? So I just whack it on. And it's pretty much a 1990s version of the Marx Brothers, made by the Zucker Brothers. I knew nothing about this movie, and you showed me the trailer on YouTube, and and it really did not make me want to watch the movie. I can understand that. Like, I first watched it when it came out on video back in 1991, and I really had no idea about the Marx Brothers. I knew who they were, but I hadn't really watched any of their films. And it was just this comedy from the guys who made, you know, Flying High, Airplane, for our American clickbots. And it's just a comedy film that's, it's pretty much a night at the opera by the Marx Brothers, if you know that movie at all. Yeah, and you got a John Turturro, and that's another reason I watched it. He's one of my favourite actors. He's playing the Groucho Marx character, and he plays a character Roland T. Flackfizer. And if anyone knows Marx Brothers, that's a very Marx Brothers name, you know. And he's trying to get money out of this um, the widow, and her name is Lillian Oglethorpe. And it's just you can tell these people love the Marx Brothers, like all the just the conventions that they're using are there. And you've got Mel Smith from Alas Smith and Jones the English and comic strip presents. Yep. He's playing like the Chico character. And there's another guy playing the Harpo character, which I didn't know. I don't know him from anything else. And instead of being an opera production, it's actually a ballet production that they get involved with. Roland T. Flackfizer is a ambulance chasing lawyer. Mel Smith is a taxi driver. And they're just basically con men sort of things. And they get involved in running this ballet and, you know, get on the bad side of the evil main ballet dancer guy and all this sort of stuff. And, 
Hijinks ensure. And I loved it in 1991. And I watched it a lot through the 90s, so I can't see a problem with it. If you come to it now, you probably will look at it going, yeah, not for me. Yeah, just watching that trailer was enough for me. And the trailer's not good, admittedly, but it it does give you the tone. And if you're a purist for Marx Brothers, you probably won't like it either. I I just don't know. I saw it in the order that I saw that first and then saw the Marx Brothers later, so I still like it. And I'm a big fan of John Turturro, so I'll watch him do anything. So Okay. I mean, it got to a point where I was actually texting a mate of mine who loves the movie as well and we were just texting quoted quotes at each other all day so, and there's a lot of quotes in there if you like the film but uh, there's that so while I was watching that that finished and I was like I'm going through the hard drive for something else to watch and I watch Girls Just Want to Have Fun which we've talked about people yeah, so yes. don't need to hear about that again alright yeah. have you been watching anything I've seen a couple of movies a couple of new movies and then one older movie that kind of ties in with a topic that we'll bring up in a moment but I've watched something that you talked about earlier in the year and that was Kingsman yep. the Secret Service mm-hmm. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you did I found the main character like the the young character not Colin Firth was good but I thought the young kid just was not likable enough to carry the movie it's and sad. I thought yeah and I thought Samuel L. Jackson was just terrible and any of the scenes that he was in just made me want to like pull my eyes out and yeah again I I just felt that it was a little bit too long they could have cut out a lot and it could have been quite a tight sort of spy movie as I said Colin Firth was a great character and there's a couple of scenes where he gets to be an ass kicker and it was it was really well done but some some of the effects just felt a bit too effecty. There was a few CGI scenes where you looked at it and went, well, are they intentionally making it look like it's mm. not real? But yeah, I don't know. It was it was all right, but I wouldn't rush out and watch it again. I, I did like the music in it. The bonkers. Bonkers, where the bit where he steals the car was really good. I enjoyed that. Another fairly new movie that I've watched is Adam Carolla's movie Road Hard. Sounds awesome. Well, well you I, said Adam Carolla. It just sounds awesome. Exactly. I think if, if you're an Adam Carolla fan, well, again, this is one of those movies where it's not true what your target audience is because cockbags if it's Adam Carolla fans (laughs) I'm a big fan of the Carolla podcast and most of the jokes that are in the movie are jokes that he's or stories he's told on the show so there's nothing new and again kind of like that whole Dan Harmon sort of side of you know would you like it if you're not a a fan Mm. it's like well you probably wouldn't but then would you even go to it if you weren't a fan so it's kind of like who's who's he marketing this to but the premise of the movie is he is a a comedian that has had TV success and his show's sort of now been axed and he goes back on the road as a a stand up to make enough money to live sort of thing and sounds like his life story except the fact that he's a comedian well he kind of is like I don't know he was a radio DJ yes he was and he found quite a big success with The Man Show and in the movie he's like the dude show or something like that so it's very much based on he's never been a comedian he might be funny some of the stand up he does in the movie is okay but you've again if you've listened to the show enough it would come across like oh yeah it's that joke and he's got all his friends are in the movie like Jay Moore's in the movie Larry Miller David Alan Greer who again is normally quite a funny actor but the bits that he does in the movie are just bits you've heard him do on the podcast like you know hundreds of times before so yeah I, I don't know I was probably a little bit disappointed with it and you're a fan and I'm a fan of Corolla exactly but yeah I, I don't know I, I haven't seen his other movie The Hammer which again is a bit autobiographical where he's a construction worker that turns into a boxing trainer which was what he was before he got famous so I, I don't know the um the premise as I said was a bit weak the delivery was a little bit weak and the jokes if you listen to the podcast weren't original but yeah, I don't know. And the other movie... Glowing praise. <laughs> exactly. Road hard. As usual, it's like Massive Attack kind of 
meh about a movie. <laughs> but another movie that I did watch, again, which ties in a lot to the movies we're going to talk about in our topic, is uh, a musical by the name of Three Little Words that came out back in 1950. And it's starring Fred Astaire and the comedian Red Skelton. Mm-hmm. And they are playing a famous musical writing duo. I think they were known as the Tin Pan Alley duo from back in the 20s, who I think wrote one of the Marx Brothers movies, which kind of ties into what you were saying before. Fred Astaire is a dancer that gets injured and decides while he's recuperating from his knee injury, he should meet up with this other writing part. They write some musicals. And it's in that sort of sensibility of 1950s musicals where the, the musical numbers just fit perfectly mm-hmm. with the rest of the story and Fred Astaire's dancing is just phenomenal in it so yeah it was a good reminder that Fred Astaire is good after watching the other movie that we'll jump into now in our topic all right we, we normally do a cult movie challenge and Joe was sort of wording me up last month saying it was coming up we got to come up with our cult movies yeah and then he brought up that he's been watching Amy Schumer yes and there was a 12 Angry Men joke and you'd realized you had never seen 12 Angry Men yeah it's like, well, we can watch that as part of the challenge. And then it's like, all right, well, I'll try and find some complimentary films to that for the challenge. And I looked at that, and for some reason, when I went to IMDb, it had that 1957, so I just clicked on 1957. And so what other movies came out, and there were some pretty big names there. Yeah, so the top five movies from 1957 were pretty much what we've decided to watch for our yeah. challenge. And so we'll start with 12 Angry Men. That's where we started. Exactly. And it's like, that's the one you hadn't seen, but you must have known those references, because it is a classic story that's probably been done on The Simpsons. I don't think it has actually been done on you The Simpsons. You reckon? Yeah, I think Simpsons may have been, did it. <laughs> I think there may have been little bits. I think, was it Polly Shaw's Jury Duty? That's exactly 12 Angry Men, yes. But yeah, it, it, the whole idea that it's completely dialogue-driven and cinematography-driven that drives the... The dramaticness of... Is that a real word? Nah, yeah, it is now. The, yeah, the yeah. dramaticness of the movie. The fact that it the starts off... of the movie. <laughs> dramaticness sounds better. <laughs> it sounds more dramatic. <laughs> the fact that they start off with nice wide shots of them all in the room, the 12 jurors with their reasonable doubt sort of thing, and then as it draws on being the hottest day of the year and the camera sort of tightens up on people and you see them... You know, sweating and starting to feel the heat a little bit and ideas crumble. And you know. Well, I mean, for those who don't know, the plot is the basic version of the plot is you've got 12 jurors go into the jury box to adjudicate on a case. Murder and, case. And they have to have to be absolute. Yep. And should be a lay down was there. Should be, yeah, the guy should be guilty. Enough evidence is there. Let's do it. And they go, let's do a vote. They get one vote against. Everyone's saying, yeah, he's guilty. One person says, no. And they sort of go, what do you mean? And it's hot and everything. And he sort of just explains his case. And then it's just... So the the juror that has the doubt is Henry Fonda. Yep. And I hadn't seen any other Henry Fonda films prior to this other than Once Upon a Time in the West, Mm -hmm. which is the only movie he plays against type and actually plays the bad guy in. So I didn't really have a frame of reference for Henry Fonda. But I, I found him really engaging. And I found... I found just the whole movie was just really well done. It's I didn't pick it at the time. I was watching it going, yeah, this is definitely a 1950s film. And it's in one set, one set basically. You're in the jury room, that's it. And it felt like a play. Like, yeah. the way it was acted was acted like a play. And the cast in this was pretty amazing. Like, you're looking at a lot of guys you've seen since and stuff like that. Henry Fonda's the biggest name in there, but there's a lot of guys you would have seen. Ed Begley, Jack Klugman. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people you'd recognise. Yep. You just, I mean, the voice of, oh, one of the Winnie the Poohs. Piglet. Piglet, yeah. Yeah. And once you said that, I couldn't stop thinking of him as Piglet for the rest of the movie. 
And then I thought it was a very simple film until I read some of the trivia about it. And they were saying that Sidney Lumet directed it, alumni of the podcast, because we talked about The Wiz. The Wiz, yes. And he actually... Because the movie's very tense. Like, yeah. It gets quite heated between the personalities clash. But what he does is he uses wide-angle lenses at the start. So everything's quite open and, and, and you know, not... It's, it's open and nice. And as the tensions get heavier and people get thing, he's actually using more tight shots and tighter lenses. And it, it adds to the feeling of claustrophobia while you're watching it. I never picked up on that. Yes, the feeling is there, but I don't go, oh, that's a really clever shot. It's not like watching a David Lean film going, oh, look at that vista. Yeah. It, it was just very well made. And it felt like a TV production. You could have easily, if you told me that was made for TV and that was so good they released it as a cinema, I would have believed you. Because it's not, it doesn't, it looks like a set, you know, it sort of, it doesn't feel like cinema. Yeah, obviously it wouldn't have been an expensive movie no. to make because it is all filmed in that one room. But it's all driven on the, the quality of the cast and the writing. Yeah. But the acting felt theatre acting to me. It, yeah. It wasn't natural. It was a bit forced, I suppose you could call it. Yeah, maybe. There was a couple of characters that I really didn't like, I guess is probably the, the word. There was the one guy that had his tickets for the baseball game mm. and all he wanted to do was just, you know, get the jury out there as quick as possible so he could get to his game. No, I mean, that was a character but that was, yeah. yeah, and I, I don't know. There's, there's bits of it that you kind of think, yeah, that's really well done and there was other bits that I thought they probably could have handled a little bit better. And yeah, so I mean, it always works as a play and it's it's a good film and we got to see that. So exactly. that was the start of our 1957 So, ex- so 1957 was looking pretty good for us. It was looking pretty good. So then we um, jumped in to the next one, which was Funny Face with Fred Astaire and... Uh, Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, the Hepburn that can't act. Yes. Yep. Can't uh, dance either. Depends. It's beat dancing. Yeah. And man, that was a bit of, bit, bit of poo. The premise of this is that Fred Astaire is a photographer, photographer for a fashion magazine, mm-hmm. and they're doing a fashion shoot that isn't really going very well in the studio, so they decide to go Let's go into the, the Greenwich world. Village and find a place to shoot. So they go to a bookshop where... And they just take over a bookshop. It's a, what's the name? A, um, like a communist bookshop almost, a philosophy books and stuff. Communist or socialist bookshop? Well, I think there's communist stuff in there, but it's a philosophy yeah. bookshop or whatever. But anyway, they go in there, they take over, the editor and the photographer kind of bring their models in and you know, rearrange all the books, and Audrey Hepburn's a little bit put out by it all. And this mousy sort of girl in the in the shop going, what are yeah. you doing here? Get out and all this. It's very rude. You have no right to be in yeah. the shop and stuff. But then, as it turns out, they decide that she's actually got the look. And they wanted a new look. They wanted a new look for the magazine. Let's do something special or whatever. And Fred goes, hey look at this girl I can't stop looking at this thing let's let's use her as the face of the next thing because they were going to get Kavinci was going to give him the new line for the summer and they were going to do this big expose so they convinced her to be the yeah the, the, the face model. of the summer yeah or whatever and they go okay and then they go to Paris because that's where they're going to she's going to get fitted for all these clothes and they're going to do all these photo shoots and, and everything big catwalk sort of thing yeah and she keeps going missing and she goes to like beat poet clubs in Paris and they find each other and there's obviously meant to be tension like love tension between Audrey who's 30 and um, 60 Fred, old who's Fred 60 Astaire, yeah and nothing's convincing in it. I mean, I, I, I've seen a few Gene Kellys, and I know that there's always who's the better dancer, Gene or Fred, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And I don't think I've seen a Fred Astaire movie until now. So I'm like, I'm interested to see him dance, because I like Gene. I mean, he's 60, so it's not his best work, I'm assuming. Some of the stuff that he He can done. still dance. Yeah. Like, there's no question about that. But it's just like, it's just a dull movie. Like, and it, nothing made sense. And the- I think the problem was it was a dull premise. And the fact that you couldn't really buy that she was this, you know, young 30-year-old falling for this lecherous old 60-year-old sort of thing. It started 
started well, and there was a couple of dance numbers at the start. Yeah. They sort of sing one song in the in the dark room. When it first, yeah, and it first opens with a big think pink number, and it feels like oh, this is a stage production. It, this it feels really like a theatre, yeah. like a musical theatre show. And then it doesn't feel like that again. No. And it was just like shit. But the, <laughs> the dance number that they did, he does like this sort of toreador dance, and with his umbrella and his jacket as his mm. sort of bullfighter cape. I thought that was really well. And done. that you can watch in isolation. Yeah, that's exactly. Great. You don't I'd need say to see the whole movie. You could probably go on YouTube and find that one clip, and that's probably the best bit of it. Yeah. Or you could go on YouTube and find the worst bit of it, which is Audrey Hepburn's dancing in the hipster and jazz interpretive club. dance. Yeah. Which so, I mean, I mean, there's people out there who love Audrey for all she does, and they yeah. probably love her for that because I actually mentioned to a friend she goes oh but the dance she did and it's like no that was shit and I punched her in the face yeah so week three of the 1957 challenge had a lot to live up to after one good film one bad film yes and we decided to watch The The Seventh Seventh Seal Seal, the Ingmar Bergman Swedish film which it is a classic it's a black and white it's in Swedish I put my bum on the Swedish the Swedish (laughs) there's a music for the end (laughs) exactly and um, it's famous for being a famous film. Like, yep. I, I know this is an important film, not not having seen it before. I've seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. They meet death. They play mousetrap with him, you know. Yeah, you whereas know. in The Seventh Seal. And and, it's, and that is a pure reference yep. to this movie. Now, this movie is about set during the Crusades and a knight played by Max von Sydow of Flash Gordon fame. The and another um, alum of he the He looks a bit podcast. weird having hair. I've never seen him in a role with hair. But, yeah. And he's on his way home from the Crusades. And they're avoiding the Black Plague, basically, that's coming through Europe. And he meets Death. And yes. he challenges Death to a chess game. And he sort of asks Death, for a bit of time, can I make it right for somebody? And he goes, I'll give you some time. And he sort of goes on a journey on his way home to see his wife and he comes across people along the way and they have their stories and everything and you've got like a travelling minstrel band and, and the, it, it's interesting yeah it was hard like we sort of watched it and we were not really getting into it because seeing I think seeing in a cinema would be the way to go like it would be I think so I think it was one of those movies where you needed to not be distracted yeah and sort of having to read the subtitles and having your iPad on your lap in front of you doesn't work well together yeah so I mean, it, so it kept our attention just I'll give it that and then sort of like what's, what's okay this is interesting and then it's on YouTube and we actually watch it through YouTube yeah and because when you finish a YouTube clip you get other clips similar so from that we watched the trailer and we watched a breakdown of the of the seven seals like, oh that makes sense now i i get what the whole thing was about because someone actually explained it to me yeah, so there, was, there was one thing on youtube that's called seven seal in five minutes and yeah it pr- pretty much was the whole movie it, wrapped up in five minutes and it was good and it made me appreciate it more for what it was because i didn't pick up on a lot of it at the time and i think it is still an important film for for that reason i think cinemas learnt from it and used from it a lot Simpsons would have used the Probably. references, I'm sure. And um, as you said, Bill and Ted took death from it. And it's interesting. And there's some really nice shots in there. Like, I thought there were some really nice shots I liked. And I, I, I feel I'm the better for seeing it. I don't know if you agree. Maybe you want yeah, to throw I'm it hard again. It. I, I don't know. <laughs> Just that one scene at the end where they're kind of walking hand in hand on the clifftop, I thought was really well done. And I think that's referenced in um, Monty Python. Yeah. I honestly re- I reckon they stole that too. So it, it's, it's an important film. And probably the best thing we got out of it was watching Penn from Penn and Teller. <laughs> 
talk about the movie because there was another clip on YouTube. Which I think was pretty old because it was like very much a handheld. Yeah, it was like internet cool stuff. Revision Revision 3 TV, so it's probably a good few years old. But it was Penn Jillette talking about how he has fond memories for the movie, but then he realised that he likes the trailer more than he liked the movie. Because he saw it in high school or something. He thought, this is great. And then he saw the trailer and he goes, yeah, I really got this. And then he went back and watched it and go, no, I think I like the trailer more. Exactly. (laughs) But, um, But then we watched the trailer afterwards and they give away the whole movie in the trailer. Exactly. The whole thing. Literally. It's like, oh yeah, the here's twist. the beats. Boom, 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 boom. That's here's it. Here's the ending of the film. Thanks for that. Yeah. yeah. But I must say that the woman that was playing the travelling minstrel, her name was BB something or other. Uh, BB-8? Yeah. From oh, Star-, no. Star Wars? No. no, no. But very attractive. Very. Quite a good girls. actress. Mm. Mm. Anyway. So, the final of our 1957 movies... And again... Your final film. I may have gone oh, one more. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this one that we watched yeah. together. It was Bridge on the River Kwai, which I keep calling Bridge Over the River Kwai. <laughs> I can't whistle. No. I can't do the accent. Can't do the accent. But it was another one of those movies where the payoff at the end kind of made it worth sitting through a very long movie. Well, it is David Lean. I mentioned him earlier. Yes. And as I realised why I was in my head. David Lean is known for making short films like Dr. Zhivago, the fr- you know, <laughs> the coal miner's daughter, Lawrence of Arabia, little films yes. <laughs> like, you know, 12 Angry Men. So yeah, he doesn't make things on small scales. No. So Bridge on the River Kwai is... Bridge over Troubled Waters. Yes. Bridge yeah. on the River Kwai is two hours and 45 minutes was it it's long well two and a half hours at least but Mm. it's basically alec guinness being english yes (laughs) and being that typical i'm english so i'm not going to take any crap from anyone i'm an officer and an english gentleman and this is the way i hold myself yeah so it's british pow's in world war ii a couple of americans thrown in there in a Japanese camp, being forced to build a the railway. Burma railway. Yeah, the Thai Burma railway that had quite an important part as far as Australian history during World War Two. Mm-hmm. I think the bridge on the River Kwai itself didn't have quite as much significance as they put in the movie, but the railway itself was a, a really big thing if you want to look up your history. Yeah, so the premise on this is that the Japanese prisoner war camp and they have to build this bridge by a certain date because they're bringing ammunition through war. Yeah, the, the train's coming and they need to, to connect up two points. So the guy, there's a new person in charge of the camp and he's come in to steer it all right. And Alec Guinness plays the senior officer who represents the soldiers. Yep. And they're saying, you're going off and you're going to do this. And it's like, these men are sick. Not everyone can do it. We can't do this. He's bringing up all the rules as to yeah, why and how we can't. he the Geneva Convention and sort of says... And, they, and the officers are going to build. And he goes, no, the officers do not build. This yeah. is not part of the Geneva Convention. And he's very much the English gentleman yeah, and so the, the officer. The Japanese commander slaps him across the face with his Geneva Convention and sort of says, you know, you're, you're our prisoners and everyone's going to work. And they end up standing. Just don't move. They don't march off. The workers, the lower guys go off and work and they just stand there in the sun and yeah, a few faint. All the officers stand there. And in the end, they get thrown in the hot box and punished. And they're in there for quite a while like there's a period of time we're talking days maybe even more and it gets to the point where it's like nothing's happening the guys are just fucking around building this bridge we're not getting anywhere there's no direction Alec Guinness essentially is running these guys as as their boss and it's sort of like we need to do something so the Japanese guy in charge of the camp is sort of like and he ends up talking with him and comes up with a deal essentially it's like we can make this we can make this bridge for you we'll do it better than you can you know, just let yeah. me run it the way I want to run it. It was kind of strange the fact this 
Alec Guinness had this big stand that he didn't want the officers to work. But then as soon as it was his idea, it was kind of like, well, you let me out. We'll build this bridge properly and we'll do it our way with British ingenuity. And, yeah. You know, British ingenuity. So, uh, and it became this pride of place for this for the men and he he took it on himself that we're going to build this fucking bridge and we're going to build the best fucking bridge that you'll ever see and it's going to be it's going to be great and it got down to the point and it takes over this time they get to there and they build this bridge and they're getting down to the wire and yeah. they're not going to make it in time and that's when he goes oh we're going to get the soldiers we're going to get the officers in to help and yeah. this and that so it's like so the, the building of the bridge becomes important like he gets his men because he gets efficient and he goes well you're we're doing the bridge to your specs that's fucked we're not going to do it this way and they've got guys in there team who are actually engineers and this and that it's like where would you build it well not here it's going to sink every time you do it where would you do it and he goes down there and so okay yeah and so he actually goes back saying we're going to do it properly so we're going to go it over here and in the end they're so efficient they're actually the camp instead of being punished in the camp they're doing well they got more not free time but you know it's yeah, a much pay- more livable experience for everybody yeah. the work's being done they're hitting their deadlines they're not being punished so you know they're getting fed well and it's a better camp to live in because yeah. of that situation and so. then the other side of the story is William Holden is an American soldier naval yep uh, naval who escaped prisoner. yeah so he escapes it turns out that he gets away from the prisoner of war camp and makes his way back to a, a British base and the story comes out that he was disguising himself as an officer after a, a plane crash or a ship bombing or mm. something and he swapped uniforms with his senior officer who was killed in the crash because he thought the officers would get treated better in the prisoner of war camp but it turns out he's actually just an enlisted man but because he's escaped from the prisoner of war camp the team that he's rescued by decide that he should go back in as part of a commando mission to blow up the bridge. And he's all like, well, you know, why do you really need me? I'm not an officer. I just got out. And, you know, I don't want to yeah. go back. And they kind of turn it around and go, well, you know, we know you're not an officer and that's why we think you should do this to kind of make a hero of yourself. And there's this, this sort of side story of, of him and another officer and, and a Canadian lieutenant who's like always been a desk man and never been out in the field. And they're going back to, to blow up the bridge with their, I guess, their sort of tie helping mm-hmm. sort of women in their black suits with the big hats and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, there's a whole strange sort of almost O'Henry-ish sort of ending where they're there to, to do their bit for the, for the allies and blow up the bridge whereas alec guinness is kind of like well you know we've done so much to save this bridge you can't blow up our bridge yeah well i mean the bridge became such an important thing to them like he did it to sort of get the men in the best position and yeah and get them at the best rights and in the end the bridge became so important to do well and they've got they're putting a plaque up on the bridge built by the english servicemen blah 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 and then and if you haven't seen it it is probably it's it's not a bad movie if you can sit through two and a half hours of 1950s movies yeah it's it's definitely worth seeing it is an important film won all the academy awards that year and just the ending itself kind of is the payoff for mm. sitting through the rest of the movie but it's definitely beautiful like i said before about david lean he he paints a beautiful picture with cinema i'll give him that yeah and, and alec guinness is yeah you without, can't get more english on the screen than and without yeah. going too spoilery at the end just that last probably 15 minutes of yeah. the film it, it's really worth it and as i said it's very much like an o henry tale by but, the end. And, and you couldn't make that like that nowadays no maybe terence malick could but would he but it, you wouldn't it would be an 
an action movie nowadays, and it would be quicker and punchier and actionier, and it's it's, it's not that. No, uh, it's very much a slow burn, isn't it? Yeah. So yes, it could be shorter, but that is what it is, and it's part of history, and that's what I love going back and watching these things. Exactly. So, All right, yeah, so that was, was but that good. was my four 1957. Yes, and there was another one which I kept saying, but what about this one? He said, we're not watching anymore. So there's Witness for the Prosecution. Okay. Which I haven't actually watched yet. But it's fantastic. We should have watched it. We should have watched it. Yeah, <laughs> it's Agatha Christie, which I didn't know. No, I didn't realise that. And it's, it's a court case drama. So we already had 12 Angry Men, though. We didn't need a court case. But it's fantastic. It's English. It's, it's oh, okay. Charles Lawton playing this bitter old you know, defence lawyer. Yeah. Trying to get a guy off a murder charge. Okay. It's just the, the it's just so witty. Well, there so was funny. There was another war movie that we did. Oh, Paths of Glory, well. wasn't yeah, it? But we decided Bridge Over the River Kwai was the war movie from 1957 that we should watch. Yeah, but now yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's probably no secret because I've made it quite well known that I don't overly like old movies. I just don't understand black and white. Well, I don't know if there's lack of colours. Of the movies, and people we wearing hats, confusing me, <laughs> makes me angry, makes only, me kick puppies. Only two of them were black and white, though, weren't they? Of the ones we watched, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's like I can see a real difference in old movie making, and as you said, you just don't get movies like Twelve Angry Men these days, and you would never see a movie like Ridge on the River Kwai again. So I, I don't know. It's it's. I'm glad we picked a good year of 1957. Maybe next time we do this, we should pick you know, 1977 or something like that, and then we can watch Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'd say probably two out of the four I, I really enjoyed, and the other two I'm kind of, well, of those other two, one of them I'm glad we watched, and that's Seven Seal. And Funny and Face funny can face, get face, <laughs> Exactly. Funny Face could take it in the face for a like <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm now, sure there's I mean I've seen other Audrey Hepburn films they're good I'm sure there's other Fred Astaire movies that well, are good said Three Little Words was good that was Fred Astaire just poo yes but anyway that that was our movie challenge mm-hmm. and we rewarded ourselves for that challenge we did well I could say we rewarded us but I think we gave I think you gave more I just drank yes so. well it was that time of year again when the Continuum Con rolled around to Melbourne, which is a national science fiction con, mm-hmm. and you had a little bit more to do with it than I did. You actually got to chair a panel, which was kind no, of exciting. chair a settlement. Oh, same Talk thing. Star Warsy stuff. So, yes. Did you mention the masturbating Wookiees? No. Shame. That's probably the best thing to talk about. It's Star Wars related, isn't it? But anyway, as part of that, much similar to we did a couple of years ago, we got to DJ the costume ball. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a good night. I think so. Like, we know what we're doing now. You know the equipment. I know not to touch it. Because <laughs> the first year, because you don't care about these people. You don't know them. Or I do. <laughs> I know the, these are my peeps. So I was very particular and I wanted to do a good job. And I panicked. And I talked about that if you go back and listen yep. to the episodes. I was like, do this, do this. I don't know what to do. And I just kept drinking and I got better once I drank more. I think I, so. I think I got better. <laughs> Because yeah. I just left you alone and went dance more. And it worked really well. And I'd just yell out songs at you from the dance floor and it worked. <laughs> it was interesting because... Yeah, that was we were, the first year. Yeah. Second year, we just go, no, you just do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just go and dance and I'll put a request in every now and then. So, yeah. And we just... We worked on that again this time and it, it was good. It worked well. And interestingly, the songs that went off in the crowd probably weren't the songs that I was expecting to really go off. Mm-hmm. And earlier on in I the mean, night, we are talking science fiction fans too. Yes. And I, I would have laid money, dollars to donuts that dance magic from labyrinth would have kicked ass every other year it has this year cleared the floor yeah i had to do the dance of shame you did Mm. but the songs for me that i think the crowd really got into 
were William Shatner's Common People was quite a big one. Mm-hmm. And Love Shack by B-52s. Well, so I really don't understand that well, I don't get it myself. The, the hey. crowd was predominantly female. And yeah, it was a good night. People got into it. But I think the song that really went off the most was Gaber. probably... For you, Gaber. Oh. But I think it had to have been... <laughs> Wild Boys by Duran Duran. Wild Boys. So I, I'm not sure if there was a big contingent of Proops listeners or whether it's no, just no, no. a good song. That was just a request. And though. it was just We've got a request saying, we've got this friend here. She's not. If you play this shit music, she's going to leave. Can you please play some Duran Duran? I was like, so, well, yes. let's play Wild Boys. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to play Duran Duran, you've got to dig up Wild Boys. But yeah, that was the uh, DJ set at Continuum. And thank you again for inviting me to come and... Thank I you would again say, for doing all the work. I would say spin some discs, but really all I was doing was just pushing buttons on an iPad. Not even a button, just touching the screen. Touching the screen, exactly. All right, well, that's a nice place to wrap up this month. I will work out what song to chuck on the end, whether I pick the uh, Tom Green Bubs on Sweden <laughs> or whether I do something else. But anyway, you'll well, find boys. it in <laughs> If you have any feedback for the show, you can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes. You can find us on our website, which is the mapodcast.podbean.com, or find a, an email to the mapodcast at gmail.com. And, all yeah, those things. All those things. And once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next month. Bye bye.
Swedish, 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 Swedish.